listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we're dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you're listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. This week I started talking about having a, a prosperous soul, and I'm going to uh, continue on that same path. And if you can understand, first of all, if you missed last week, you need to go back and listen because it was really, really powerful. If you can understand the things that I'm, I'm talking about here, it will change the outcome of your life. Guaranteed. This is, this is a guarantee. You know, if you could, you could make an investment, if someone came to you and said, look, if you put $1,000 in here, in two years, you're going to reap a million dollars. Would anybody not do that? Anybody here not do that? You would absolutely do it. Amen. You would put the thousand bucks in, and in two years you'd have what did I say, two million or whatever. You get the point. This is a guarantee that if you will invest into this particular area, you don't want to get spit on. Is that the case? Hallelujah. Sometimes I get really wild up here, and <laughs> I've noticed over the years that people see Liz likes me to spit on her, so she stays there. Talk about distraction, Jesus. Where was I going with that? Nowhere. I was going nowhere. It's a dead end road. But if you will, in, if I will invest in teaching you, that would help to start with. Amen. amen. But if you will take what I'm gonna, what I'm gonna share with you, and you will apply it to your life, it will change whatever you need to change in your life. You need healing in your body. This will bring about healing in your body. You need a change in your finances. It will bring about a change in your finances. You need relationships restored, as much as on your part. It will bring about healing and restoration in relationships. You need more understanding in the word. It'll bring more understanding in the word. It'll change everything. And the reason is, is that, and, and I mentioned this last week, is that the, the central processing unit, I call it, is really our, our minds, which is a part of our soul. And I'm going to do just a little quick review, and then I'm going to get into it. But our soul is one-third of who we are. Our whole makeup is a spirit, a soul, and a body. We are a spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in a body. And the Bible says, and if we can turn, and we've got it pulled up here, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be, and be in health just as your soul prospers. So the word just as there, that phrase means in proportion as, in the degree that, and according to. So we are in health and we have prosperity, and it's primarily not talking financially, although it includes finances in that. I'm not discluding that. But primarily, I believe this is talking about a, a mental, physical uh, health that if we want to prosper that way, it's as or in proportion to how our soul prospers. Your soul is not your spirit man. Your spirit man is your spirit man. It's the part of you that's been totally, completely changed from the day you got born again, you were made brand new, and that's talking about your spirit. And we can just look at this by process of elimination, because when everybody in here got saved, you got born again, not everything in your life changed. And so it's by faith that we understand, and when we look into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, that we can look into the word of God, we can see what it says about us, and we simply believe that if any man's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, behold, all things have become new. Well, is God's word true? We better believe it's true. We just sing about it for about 40 minutes. Amen. 
So if God's word is true, it's true that the old things have passed away and all things have become new. But we can also just, we can take a quick inventory and realize our, sometimes our thinking is still rotten. We still have stinking thinking. Uh, sometimes some things in our, in our body aren't lined up quite like they need to be. You know, I, I like what Brother Andrew says. He says, if you were stupid before you got saved, you'll still be stupid after you got saved. He says, if you were fat before you got saved, you'll still be fat after you got saved. And the point is, is that there are things that change when we get born again, and there are things that, that don't change, but they can change if we will take what's inside of us, renew our minds, and watch the life of God begin to manifest in our life. And that's the key. And really, your soul is like your, it's like a valve that will release the life of God into the, to the rest of your life. So that's why this verse says, to, that you'll prosper just as or in accordance with or equal to how your soul prospers. And I've got, and I'm going to flip this back around, and then we're going to come back around to this, but I want to give you this real quick. And I shared this, I love my new board, praise God. Um, and I shared this a little bit last week, but your, your spirit, and, and I don't know, I'm not, I'm not good at drawing, so this is the best I can come up with. We have a spirit, a soul, and a body, and all of, every one of those parts have a, have a, have a mind, right? And so our spirit has the mind of Christ. Your soul, part of your soul is your mind. It's the way you process information. It's not your brain, but it's the way you internally process information. And then you also have a body and that has a mind, which is your physical brain. And the deal is, is that if we want the mind of Christ, the life of Christ, everything that God has given us, because it says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives where? On, in heaven? No, he lives on the inside of you and will quicken your mortal body. So the question comes in, how? How will it quicken your mortal body? How will it bring effect into your life? The key is, is in the area of the soul. It's in your mind, your will, your emotions, and your conscience. And I believe that our minds are our central processing unit, that whatever's taking place in our minds, that's what's going to determine the direction of our life. And so really, is when we get saved, the spirit changes but our soul doesn't instantly change. We have to go in and begin to do some soul cleaning, if you will. we got to go in and clean house to make room for what the, the Lord has and the Spirit of God into those areas of our life that have been blocked out for so long so that it will affect the rest of our life. You know, it's a, it's a law of something, something science-y. I don't know what it is. But, you know... Uh, it's impossible. You know, I have my Bible sitting right there on top of the podium right here. Do you know it's impossible? If, if I put my iPad right there, it's impossible for my iPad to touch the podium because my Bible's touching the podium, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a law that you can't have two things take up the exact same space. If I'm standing right here, it's impossible for you to stand right here. You could stand next to me, you could stand in front or behind me, but it's impossible for you to stand right where I'm standing. And the point is with that is that in our soul, it's the exact same way. We, we're filled with so many other things, or we can be filled with so many other things, that if we don't begin to renew our minds and change the way we think, set our wills into effect, 
um, get our conscience in, in order, get our emotions in order. If we don't do that, then we can have a bunch of other things taking up space that rightly belongs for the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And when those become the dominant thing inside of our soul, that's where the life of Christ gets released into our life. So it's really like a, it's a simple majority kind of thing. So it's like when you get born again, one-third of you is full of the Holy Ghost. One-third of you is perfect. One-third of you has got all of the fullness that you will ever need concerning the Lord. But the problem is, is that you've got your soul and your body that aren't necessarily in alignment with what's inside of your spirit. But if you will change your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your conscience, and get them to come in alignment with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God on the inside of you, it will release the life of Christ into your life guaranteed. How many of y'all believe that that's a guarantee, that's a good guarantee, and that you want to invest into? Amen. So last week, I, I started talking about the mind, and that's why I put more description of the mind and what that means that it's broken up. And you could talk about a mind in your spirit, a mind in your soul, and also a mind in your body. And so I want to continue talking about the soul in particular. And let me say this, that as far as this verse is concerned, and if we could pull that back up there, as a matter of fact, just leave that unless we go to a different verse. That way I, might, I can reference it. It's, it's impossible. So when it talks about that you prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers, one way you could say that is that it's impossible for one to happen without the other. You will not prosper in your life without having your soul come into if you don't like the word prosperity, then you can say increase. You could say health. You could say um, uh, moving forward. But I like, I like the word prosperity because it means you're breaking off the old and the poverty kind of mindset and you're stepping into something new and greater and better. So I like that word. And so anyways, it's impossible for you to, have to, for you to receive uh, you know, manifestation of things without your soul first prospering. And I don't think I can overstate this or state it too, too simply put. But so many times people, and I know this because I have been there, and I know this because I pastor a church, <laughs> that oftentimes, you know, you can have a, a, a line, you know, an altar call. Does anybody have sickness in their body? And, you know, usually you can have, and you come up here and we'll pray for you, you can have the altar full of people. And praise God for those times that we do things like that. That's awesome. That's great. Let's believe God for those kind of things. But oftentimes what happens is that people will come forward wanting a touch to bypass their mind to see it manifest in their life. And that can happen. Praise God for miracles. But it's actually better to live in the blessing than it is to live from miracle to miracle. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but if you're living from miracle to miracle, you're, you're living from crisis to crisis. Because you come into something that's like, God, you got to come through. And praise God that he's a faithful God and he comes through. Amen? But it's actually better to just live in a place to where you're, you're drawing from the benefits of being a son or daughter in the kingdom of God. That's actually the best place to be. And so it's not that we shouldn't have altar calls. It's not that we shouldn't pray and agree with each other. But I've come to find out that you can, you can avert a lot of problems or deal with a lot of problems even on your own if you just begin to change the way that you think. And just, you know, let me just say this, that you know, a lot of times people will want me to pray for them. And I love to pray for people. I do, I do pray for you guys. And if you have anything specific, I'm always willing to agree. But who prays for me? Who do I go to? And I mean, I have people I can go to, but most of the time, I just go straight to the Lord. And my goal is just to teach you guys to just go straight to the Lord. Because you know what? If you have to come through me, it's possible I could mess it up. 
but he's not going to mess it up. Amen. I mean, I don't believe that I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to believe the best I can for the situation you're in. But, man, God's the one that has the answers. He's the one that, that has everything you need. And so when we, when we just build a, a, a confidence as we're renewing our mind in him, it comes to, to the place to where what we need, it just comes straight from on the inside of us and will begin to change on the outside. Hallelujah. This is maybe too deep and maybe theological for some people, but I think for this is something everybody needs to understand. Most people, they, don't, they get confused on, on the different parts and how God has made us. And God made our whole being, a spirit, soul, and body. He made it the way it is because it's an awesome design. It's a perfect design. But when the world got thrusted into sin, it really messed everything up. And it messed everything up primarily in the area of our mind, will, emotions, and conscience, a.k.a. our soul. And it's really important that we properly divide out, especially most everybody can understand what the physical body is. What you see right here, this is my physical body. But I also have, and you do too, a soul and a spirit. And a lot of times people say, I just... Oh, I just my spirit just feels this or feels that. And there can be some truth to that, but a lot of times it's just your feelings. It's just your emotions. That's not bad, but it's un important to understand the difference between your spirit and your soul. Amen. And the Word of God can help us do that. It says in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, I think around verse 12, somewhere around there, it says that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between the joint and the marrow, and the soul and the spirit. So there are things that happen internally inside of us. See, if it happens to your body, it's pretty easy to be like, oh, yeah, that's happening to my body, be it good, bad, or whatever. But if it's happening internally, it's really important that we understand this is spirit, and this is part of our soul. Where is it coming from, and does it line up with the word of God? It's really important because sometimes people say, I feel this. I feel the spirit. I feel this. I feel this person's upset with me. I can just sense and whatever it is. And a lot of times it's not really coming from their spirit, but it's actually coming from their soul. Learning to divide this out is what will cause us to have, to have victory. Because when it comes down to it, 99% of the time when I'm faced with something in life that I know the word of God promises, I don't feel victorious in my soul. You know what I'm talking about? I don't, my, what's going through my, my mind oftentimes and my emotions isn't like victory when I'm looking at the face of death in something. This is when I have to go back and go, wait a second here. I may not feel victorious. I may not feel like it's going to work out well for me, but God says, God has promised what God says is going to come to pass. It will come to pass. And then it's almost like, it's almost like your emotions are getting out of line. Your, your, your soul, all of that is getting out of line. But when you start to speak the word of God, it just snaps right back into place. You put it into place. And before you know, it, you'll have the life of Christ that will manifest in your life. So I want to give you a little bit more concerning, um, the will the emotions and the conscience, because I really didn't talk about them last week, and that's the direction uh, that I want to go. And I, I want to say this, and, I, and hopefully I can say this fast, because this is, um, I don't know, I just felt impressed to mention this, because I, I think it will help hopefully bring some clarity. Um, first of all, you know, I, I talked about last week, and, and I'm going to say this again, that, and I just did say it, I'm going to say it for a third time, but your soul your mind in specific is like your central processing unit. So just like a computer has a CPU or a central processing unit, 
And what's happening there is what gets displayed on the screen. Well, if you have a, if you have a virus in your central processing unit, it will, uh, it will display things that don't need to be displayed. It'll do things that you're not wanting it to do. And, you know, the deal is, is that we can have viruses in our mind. We can have some really stinky, rotten stuff that comes into our thinking that if we don't deal with it, eventually we'll take over the whole thing and we'll crash and possibly even die. I mean, you could die physically, but I'm really talking about just in the area of your, your mind, will, emotions, and conscience. That if you allow something to stay in your thinking, how you process information, and it's not right, it's like a virus, it will bring destruction. Now, I want to say this. This is really strong, but I believe it's really important, and I, I just want to say this. That that's how demonization happens to people. This is really confusing. And I, there's been some strange teaching over the years. And I'm going to say this and then I'm going to move on. And some of you all probably aren't going to like this, but you can, go and, you can go and study it out. But when a person is demonized, and I use the word demonized, and really that's a whole, this is a whole topic we could get into more because it didn't say that Jesus just went about with fluffy rainbows and, and told people nice things. He cast demons out of people. There were people that were full of demons that he delivered them from those demons, from those demonic spirits. And I use the word demonize because you can have demonization on different levels. A person can have demonization on different levels. They can be oppressed, they could be uh, depressed, or they could be possessed. There might be some other S's in there as well, but those are the ones I'm familiar with. Those are different forms or different probably levels of a person that is demonized. But the, the area that they're demonized is in their soul, but in particular in their mind. Most of you are with me so far. This is where I might lose some of you. It's a little deep for Sunday morning, but I'm going to go there anyways because I'm the pastor and I can go there. It's no problem. But it is possible for a person who's been, Jesus, this is going to be heavy, but it's your church. I'll say it anyways. It's possible for someone who has been born again, who looks just like Jesus on the inside, who has the, all of the blessing, the fullness, everything on the inside of them to actually be, and I'll use it in a broad sense, demonized in their soul. It doesn't mean you're flopping around on the floor or whatever. It could, it could mean that. But, you know, being born again is a decision of faith. But just because you're born again doesn't mean that you've got everything in your life going in the right direction. The area of your, your soul and your, your mind being that central processing unit, if the enemy can get you to think differently or wrongly, it will open up the door for him to come in and wreak havoc in your life. It is true for believers, and it is true for unbelievers. And people, I mean, I, I don't argue anymore, but people always be like, Christians can't be possessed by the devil if they're possessed by God. Well, if you understand the difference between spirit, soul, and body, you can have all of the life of Christ inside of your born-again spirit and be full of the devil in your thinking. And the reason I know this is because I've met a lot of people that are, that profess Jesus as Lord. Whew. They profess Jesus as Lord. They have a relationship with him. They put faith and trust in him. They, they have a, 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 the time when they can say, man, this is when I got born into the spirit or from the spirit. I was born again. And then the next thing you know, they're dealing with something in their life. And it's because they got really messed up thinking and it's opened the door for the enemy to come in. Now, let me say this. 
don't take this and be in fear. But also don't take this and think that you could never have the enemy come in and mess with you. And I think religion has overemphasized people that are demon-possessed. They're demon-possessed. Let's just, let's just say, because if you go back to the Greek, it doesn't use the word possession. It gets translated into uh, the different translations as possession often. But it's really just they're demonized, which means that the, the enemy, Satan, and his cohorts are influencing that person. Where are they being influenced? They're being influenced in their soul, in particular in their mind. And the way that a person gets free from that is, A, they either have someone pray over them and deliver them from that, or they take the word of God and they begin to apply the word and they go through self-deliverance. And to be honest with you, there's a lot that could be opened up here. Lord, I really... You told me to, so I'm just being obedient to you. I'm not wanting to give a whole message on, on deliverance here today. I have so much more, but really this all is about deliverance because the, the truth is, is that in our, in our souls, in our mind, will, emotions, and conscience, we were captured and have been captured by the enemy for so long. And just because you get saved doesn't mean you're free. You belong to him, but that doesn't mean you're walking in the benefits of being belonging to him. Super important. I have been at different times in my life since I've been born again, I have had the enemy mess with me and I've thought wrongly. And so then I've had to go back and say, Lord, I've allowed the enemy in, in this area. I'm into speculation. I'm into fear. You want to be honest with you want me to be honest? You want me to be honest with you? I've been lying up to this point. You want me to be honest? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Whenever people say that, I'm like, so have you been lying to me all along? What's going on? Getting into fear, when you get into fear, that's often the very first thing that the enemy will bring people in, and it just opens the door wide open. And the next thing you know, you've got anxiety, and you've got depression, and you've got you know, just heaviness on you and all these, all these kind of things. I'm not saying that there can't be other door breakers in there, but I've found that fear is one of the main things that the enemy, enemy uses, and it's because it's in the mind, and fear, the, the, the Lord gave me this a while back, but fear is any thought that produces tormenting emotions based on speculation of what may or may not happen. Anybody in here ever done any speculating in your life? Probably everybody in here, I guarantee you everybody in here has speculated about things. And then what happens is that the enemy, if you allow the enemy that that pathway, he'll bring in all of his stuff and he'll, he'll build a highway. And then before you know it, that just becomes your normal way of thinking. It'll even affect your physical brain. It will change everything about what's going on in your life. It will do, it will do all kinds of things. That's not to, for you to be in fear because the truth is, is that we have power over the enemy. He's a defeated foe. He only goes about as a roaring lion. You know, if, if you had a, a lion come in here and it was a genuine lion and it had teeth and it had paws, my recommendation, well, first of all, security would need to pull out all of their nines and their 45s and take it down. By the way, we're very well protected here. Um, I believe in angels and I believe in Smith and Wesson also. So it's, it's all good. Down home Missouri, people. Amen. 
Thank you, God, for the Second Amendment. But if you, had the, if you had a lion that came in here and you knew that it had teeth and you knew it had claws, I would say if somebody didn't have a gun, <laughs> just make sure you're faster than everybody else, I guess, is, is the goal. Because <laughs> the slowest person's going to get caught and eaten. That's just all there is to it. But if you knew that that lion had no teeth and it had no claws, all he could do is paw you and gum you. What would you have to be worried about? Nothing. But if you didn't know, then you could be afraid of that lion, even if he had nothing to actually hurt you with. You could be running and hiding into corners, jumping over chairs, hanging from the ceiling, whatever it was, thinking that he was something that he really wasn't. That's exactly how the enemy is with people. That's why it says that he's as, he's like, Remember what a simile is? It means like or as, and it's got, it's got some parallels or some comparisons, but it's not actually that. So he's not actually a roaring. If he really was a roaring lion, then you should be scared of him. But he's not a roaring lion. He's, he only acts as one. And for people that don't understand their authority, they could be thrown off course and off base, and the enemy could come in and do some nasty things in their life. But if you can just realize, wait a second, He's speaking things that are opposite of what God says about me. He's roaring, I'm a loser, I'm a failure, I'm not right, I'm all this, that, and the other. And if you could see, wait a second, that's not coming from God. It could be coming from my, my wrong thinking, but it's definitely not coming from God. I'm not going to believe it. I'm going to believe what God says about me. Boom, you shut him down. He has, noth- he has nothing left. He doesn't move by power. He moves by deception. Now, Jesus, he is the lion of Judah. He's a real lion, and he moves by power, amen? He moves by truth, and he moves by power. And praise God, it's good to be on his, his side. When he, when he left, he left as a lamb, but when he comes back, he's coming back as a lion. Praise God. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, for, for a lot of people, they'll say, well, the enemy did this, and the enemy did that. He's, the devil's doing this, and the devil's doing that. It probably started with the devil, but honestly... He, he handed over the, the keys to your mind a long time ago. And you're the one keeping the door open to all of the nasty thinking. And Because he doesn't have unlimited resources. He's moved on to somebody else because he's already brought so much destruction in this area of your thinking. It's like, they've got it from here. It's really all about how you're trained. Is your mind, will, emotions, and conscience trained? And I know I haven't taught on the other things yet, but I'm going to. Is it trained to believe, follow, act on the word of God? Or is it believe and, and trained to act on and all of that with the things that the enemy has, has said? And you say, well, I don't know. How do I believe it? You go back to the word. What does the word say? What does the Bible say concerning you and who God is and your future and all of those things? What does it say about that? Because that's what you believe. Anything else, you don't believe that. This is actually really, really simple. And it's really blessing me. And I think it's blessing some of you. And I'm glad you're blessed. Because if you can get a hold of this, the enemy will never, he won't have one more second of your time for the rest of your life. Something will come in and you go, nah. Nope, that's not what God says. 
You do have to know. You have to know what the, what the word says. This is why your intimate time with the Lord, reading the word. You know, sometimes it's not, it's not about flashes of light. It's not about having these spectacular things happen. I'm looking back here at, at Jenny, and she talks to me about, about the Lord, Liz and I about the Lord, and I'm like, God, I never have any of that stuff. She's like, I saw an angel, and I saw this, and I saw that. And I'm thinking, man, what am I missing? Nothing. She's got a different relationship with the Lord than I do. It's not always about having all these amazing things. It's what do you believe? What does the word say and what do you believe? Amen. Sometimes your time with the Lord, it won't, it won't all be flashy. Sometimes people, I, I think they think because I thought this, like, oh, man, if I was a pastor, just the time with the Lord, it would just be amazing. It'd be, oh. Sometimes I'll sit and read and be like, ugh. I mean, it's reading. But then when you put it in you, and because you believe it, when it's needed, the Lord will say, remember when you were reading that? Pull that out and chop the devil's head off. But you got to be faithful to put it in you. Because the word of God is the sword of the spirit, and it is our weapon against the enemy. It is our weapon against the lies and deceptions that he brings people or tries to bring people into. Hallelujah. So where the enemy comes in, and whatever you believe about demonization and about all that stuff, I'll leave that up between you and God. I think that there's a balance. I think that some people, they don't give any credence to it at all, and so the enemy just totally destroys them. And then you got other people that there's a demon on every doorknob, and I don't think that that's accurate either. Amen. It's ascribing too much power to him one way, and the other way is pretending like he's not a factor. No, he is a factor. Just understand how he's a factor. He comes in with lies and deceptions that he speaks to us, and he speaks to us in our mind. Meanwhile, here's the best news of everything. You ready for this? Here's the best news. If the enemy's been destroying you in the area of your soul, and if I had a show of hands, I bet you there'd be a good number of you, if you were honest, you'd, you'd say, man, enemy's really been destroying my soul lately. <laughs> But the best news is, is that once you get born again, it doesn't change what happens to your spirit, man. Because when you get saved, you are sealed. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, you have God's seal on you, which means that there are literally no impurities that can come inside of your spirit, man. Oh, praise God for that. Woo! Come on now. That's powerful stuff. And... And I remember when I first got a hold of this, I was telling people this years ago. I was like, man, man, even, even though I've messed up, and even if I do mess up, God still loves me, and I still have a relationship. Oh, that's a license to sin. And I'm like, but I don't want to. I love God. Look what he did for me. They're like, well, if you tell people that, they'll go live in sin. And I'm like, I don't want to live in sin. That's not the direction I'm going. I see what God did for me. He changed me, and I wanted to come out in my life. Because, see, when you get a revelation of what happens, it won't cause you to want to go backward. It will cause you to want to go forward. People are inherently good. They're born into this world. We are born into this world basically children of the devil <laughs> because we're born dead unto God. That's why we have to get born again. But people inherently want to do good. And the ones that you see that are just hell-bent, and that's a good word, they're hell-bent on doing evil, it's just because they're so full of the devil, their conscience is seared, there's all kinds of things that have taken place. 
And they just do all kinds of, of wild stuff, and you wouldn't think that there's anything good in them. If you could peel back all of the layers of years of the devil manipulating and controlling and, and, and coming against people in the area of their soul, you would find at the core somebody who just basically wants to do good. Even the worst people in, in the world, even the worst people in history. You know how I know this? Because God doesn't make junk. We are made in his image. Amen. Praise God. We were made in his image, and he made us perfect. The enemy just came in and perverted everything. The enemy came in and messed everything up. Hallelujah. Man, this is, I wish I had like four more hours with you guys. This is awesome. Man, you came to drink from a well today, and I'm pumping, and you're, you're, there's good stuff coming out. You can get a hold of this. This will absolutely, positively change your life. And you don't have to be a victim of the enemy. You don't have to be a victim of circumstances. You don't have to be a victim of anything because we're not, we're not victims. Christ hasn't made us to be a victim. He's made uh, a victim. Yeah. A victim. He's made us to be overcomers. Amen. And the way we overcome, it's not just by coming in on a Sunday morning and singing some awesome songs and hearing an amazing minister. That's not, that's not the deal. That can be like a jump start or whatever. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm only kidding. I'm, I'm, I, I, I think well of myself, but not too highly, okay? I'm only kidding. But it has to be something daily that we make it a purpose that we're going to think and believe differently than the things that have been coming to us for so long. It's being very intentional, like, okay, that's coming at me, that's been coming at me. I'm going to think differently than how I've been thinking. And a lot of it, and this is one of Liz's, Liz's things, she'll probably write a, a book on this someday or something, about the difference between being uh, reactive versus responding. And oftentimes we have things that come at us, and we're so used to reacting that it actually really has almost become our response. At, at some point we had something, you know, maybe it was, it was finances, you know, I can tell you, I'll just expose Liz and I both here a little bit. My, one of my things was I dealt with rejection. She dealt with a, a fear of, of finances. And those were a couple of things that, that we dealt with that we had to work through exactly what I'm talking about. And it would be that anything financial that would come, it was like, oh, oh, oh. And there was this worry that would set in. And if I, if I thought there was any kind of rejection coming from people, well, you talk about a plan of the enemy to keep you from fulfilling your call in ministry. Because let me tell you something, ministry has as much rejection as it does praise. But we're going to move on from that. <laughs> Anyways. So I had to get delivered from that. I had to get delivered from that thinking by going, wait a second. I have, initially, I reacted to when perceived rejection came to me. I reacted, and for whatever reason, I kept going back to that same thing, and then it became my response. It messed with the way I process things internally, and it also messed with my physical brain, I believe, was affected, and I had to receive healing. Why? Because I was demonized in that area. See, if you can, if you can bring down all the spiritual hype of, oh, they're possessed. Well, the enemy's messing with them. Whatever level it looks like, okay, they're rolling on the floor, they're demonized but they think really sorry about themselves, they're demonized. And don't exclude us from being able to be in that place where the enemy could totally mess with our minds and thinking. 
We don't live in fear of that, but we also don't live ignorant of the fact that that's how he comes in and messes with us. And before I got saved, which was before I was seven years old, I guess, I had in my, and I think it probably came down from just ways that I was, not just ways that I was raised, but things that were in my, my family line, I guess. Uh, there were things that came down that I had a natural bent to have a fear of rejection. I had a natural bent to be a pessimist. It's easy to be optimistic when you're in front of people and it's like, praise God, thank you, Jesus, it's all wonderful. It's another thing when you're by yourself. Not that I'm two different people, but, you know. And we can do that around people. Everything's just wonderful. It's great. We go home and we're like, ah, just the whole world's coming to the end. And what it is is that there's something in your, in your flesh that's still there that's causing you to go back to that. It's like there's a, the verse talks about a dog going through its vomit. You know it's, you know it's disgusting, but you keep going back to the same thing. You keep allowing those, those emotions and those different things to rule you, and you keep coming back to the same thing, even though you're like, this is, this is so bad, and it's so, it's so gross. What a horrible picture. Dog to his vomit. <laughs> Anyways, dogs are so gross. But, you know, why would anything do that? It's just because, like, there's something in a, in a person that is so hardwired by the enemy to go back to that that we have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, what is true here? Am I really rejected? This is for me. I'm like, God, am I really a rejected person? I literally was so deep. Listen to this. I was so deep in my thinking in the terms of rejection. I, it's been a lot of years. But in my teenage years, I literally believed that people were talking around my back and, you know, around me, behind my back negatively and bad about me. I had conspiracy built up in my mind about where people were at and how they thought about me. That's some pretty rotten stuff. And I was hardwired that way. Not by my parents, not by God, but just the devil got in things somewhere. So you know what I had to do? I had to go in and I had to say, you know what, Father? I thank you that I am accepted in the beloved. And God, if you're for me, who could possibly be against me? And Lord, even if people do say negative things about me or they don't like me, Father, I thank you that you like me. Not only do you love me, you like me. And God, you didn't just die for me out of pity. You really genuinely want a relationship with me. God, you care about me so deeply. And Father, I thank you that my life is committed to just receiving your love, giving it back to you, but receiving your love. And I'm not going to be moved by what people think or what they say or what I think they're saying or I think they're thinking. Some of you are like, I can't relate to this. Some of you are like, oh, dude. I've dealt with this kind of stuff for years. But it's, all, it's just mind games. It's mind games that the enemy plays. And when you shut it down, I'm to, I'm to the point now, I mean, I don't like it when people reject me, but if you reject me, who are you to reject me? Who are you? I'm not going to be, and then I went through a phase where I was like, who are you to reject me? And I was offended. And that's a whole other issue. And then when I worked through that, it was like, man, who are people to reject me? God loves me. God cares about me. The, the creator of heaven and earth, God Almighty. The one who was before any other people on the earth, God was there, and he thought about me even before the foundations of the world. He had me in his mind. What does it matter if anybody else likes me or not? You know what I was doing when I did that? I was putting truth in 
and I was pushing out the lies because it's impossible for two things to take up the same exact place at the same time. It is impossible for me right now. Now, if I went down a wrong path and I started thinking differently, but it is impossible right now for, for me to believe that God would reject me. And again, I could get off believing the lies of the enemy, but you know, I look at it like this. You can make a U-turn, but it's impossible to make a U-turn at 100 mile an hour. I mean, you could, but you're going to roll your car, all right, so stay with me. But to make a safe U-turn and go the other direction, you have to slow way down and then consciously turn and go the other way. But when you're going so hard with the Word of God and so hard in what God believes, it's impossible for it to hit a bump in the road and just throw you completely off. You're going to be like, oh, well, whatever, I'm going to keep moving along. It's no problem. This, thing, this same thing applies to all kinds of fear. It actually mostly is fear. That was a fear of rejection. You could have a fear of finances. You could have uh, all kinds of fear. You could have anxiety, depression. Oh, Jesus. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, is that me thinking that? Or is that you telling me that? You know, anxiety is based There are some people that have chemical imbalances in their brain that they physically need to be healed from that cause them to have anxiety and depression and things like that. And I, I never want to be in a room and would never want to be offensive or, or um, unsensitive to people that are at that place. But that is a very, very small percentage of people. The vast majority of people deal with depression, anxiety, those kind of things. It has nothing to do with the chemical imbalance. It has everything to do with how they process what is coming to them, and they're choosing to stay in the ditch instead of getting up, pulling themselves up by the bootstraps and saying, God, I'm not thinking that way anymore. I'm going to think on you. I'm going to think on things that are above. I'm going to think on the right things. Anxiety isn't just like, well, I don't want to say it like that. I was going to say like a plague, but I don't believe in plagues in Jesus' name. I believe they exist, but they don't belong in me and in here, whatever. It's not just like a plague that comes upon you that you can't help it. You can help it. You can change from being an anxious, worrisome, depressed, whatever would fit in there. You can change from being that and move over to a place where you have joy, you have peace. Praise God. Where you're excited about life. You say, well, I, I just can't help it. You don't know what happened in my past. I don't mean this in an insensitive way, but forget your past. Look at your future that you have with Jesus. It's incredible. It says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And if we are not manifesting righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, then we are missing the best that God has us to live in. And I'm gonna, I had to pull this picture up so I say it right. Righteousness is the revelation of our position. So, and I'm not going to get to all the other stuff, by the way. We'll get to that next time. Look at it like this. Righteousness 
very triangular. Okay. Is that the foundation, and it's the revelation of our position. It's not something you work to. It's not something you try to get. It's something you have because of who you are in Christ. And I should say, you need a revelation of your position. Because when you come into this, this revelation, this understanding of what God did on the inside of you, going back, if we could flip the board around, but I'm not going to take time to do it, you go back and look inside of your spirit, man, the fact that you have everything in you, the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells on the inside of you. His spirit lives on the inside of you. The fact that, that you have all that has to do with your new position of being right with him. So when you get a revelation of that, that is supposed to be the foundation of our life. That's supposed to be the foundation to where the kingdom of God begins to manifest in our life. The next step is peace. I'm going to read this so I say it just exactly right. Peace is the assurance of our position. It's one thing to become that. It's another thing when you get born again, you become right with God. It's another thing to have a revelation of it, and then it's another thing to have an assurance of it. We come to this place to where it's like, you know what? No matter what takes place in this life, I am assured that I am right with God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. No matter, listen, no matter what happens in the elections, if you are born again, you are right with God. If they come in and socialism comes in, and listen, we got candidates, the one that says that they say he's ahead, even though it's, it's not accurate. But anyways, they want to, they openly, they want to take our guns. They want to promote abortion further. Jesus, help me. I can't go down that road. They want to do all of that stuff. And even if they did, it doesn't change the fact that you and I have a relationship with God Almighty. We are assured of that. And we have a peace. We can be in the midst of the worst situation and people can go, how, I mean, aren't you a, no, you know why? Because I have a peace that passes all understanding. And you know why? I'm assured of the position that I have in him. <laughs> I'm seated with him in heavenly places. And what goes on in the world doesn't change what's really taking place and what God really has for me and where he has me seated. Amen. And then the last one, and this is to me like the fulfillment of the kingdom of God, is the expression Of our position. We are called to be joyful people. But you know, you can't be joyful if you're all in turmoil in here. And if you're in turmoil in here, it's because there's something at your foundation that you're not really convinced that you're right with God. You don't really know. You don't have a revelation. But once that revelation comes and then the assurance comes... What in the world would you not be excited about? Man, think about that. If we really truly knew what we had in Christ, why in the world would we ever not be excited about, about anything? Who cares about all the other stuff? 
And I'm not trying to be insensitive. I know we go through things. But in, in the scope of eternity, what in the world does it matter? I was going through this a couple days ago. We were on, listen, when you live in a house for five and a half years, you will have at least three trailer loads, four trailer loads of trash that you don't know where it came from on top of all of the other furniture stuff that you go to move. And we were halfway through the move. I got all these teenage boys chucking stuff in the, in the truck and, and stuff, and I get a call. And the whole thing almost completely collapsed right in the middle of everything that was going on. And I had to remind myself, you know what? So what? So what? What if the whole, if the whole thing collapsed, the whole deal fell through, and we were already moved into the other house, and I don't know what in the world would happen, what, what would happen, God would take care of it. But so what? Who cares? I'm right with God. I know I'm right with God. And you know what? I'm going to have joy. I'm just going to be at peace, and I'm going to have joy. And that's going to permeate the atmosphere of my mind, my thinking, my heart, my home, my life. Now, I'm not perfect at it because there was a point in the day when I was getting hangry, and I was sweaty, and I was like, when's this going to be over? I haven't perfected it. But you know what? Just because you have a little flesh flash doesn't mean your whole inside has changed. It's like when you got things set in alignment on the inside, you can go back and say, whoa, wait a second here. This is my rock. This is my foundation. This is where I've set my course. And this is where I'm going to draw from. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we're making a difference, visit OCIPerryville.com.